Welcome to episode 167, a special New Year's Eve edition of the Northern Miner podcast. My name is Adrian Pocabelli. I am online editor for the Northern Miner, which means I help take care of the website, and I also help take care of social media, and I also help take care of this podcast, and it is a great pleasure. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. It's the last day of the decade. 2020 is a day away. It is hours away. And despite all the red flags out there, I am feeling quite optimistic about the 2020s. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? The 20s. And uh, yeah, I feel like this century is finally in business. So let's see what happens here. And speaking of the future and what is happening and business, today we're going to feature Nathan Stabina, who is Sherritt International VP of Technologies and Operation, who delivers a quite critical view of the state of innovation in the mining industry. Keep your skin thick on this and uh, keep your sense of humor because uh, Nathan Stabina doesn't really pull any punches here and he has a quite critical view of the industry and its relation to innovation. I think it's worth listening to what people have to say because maybe he's right. So, Let's listen to Nathan Stabina, and yeah, I think we can all handle that, and maybe we can learn from that. So that is coming up, and so it's going to be another very interesting show. This presentation that he does is called Some Inconvenient Facts, Some Inconvenient Perceptions, Staying Still is Moving Backwards, and this was recorded at the Progressive Mind Forum in Toronto in October in 2019. You can hear there's laughter during the thing. So it's, uh, it is a fun talk. So enjoy it. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the miners in the coming years. You know, you see the stock market has just taken off. And, you know, I listen to a lot of financial radio and it seems like one of the big questions with a lot of advisors and consultants is, do you stick with growth, those high-flying stocks that have led this market higher, or do you turn to value, you know, and you pick up some of those oil and material stocks, because a lot of them haven't come along for the ride, or just minimally, you know, you look at oil stocks, they haven't really done too much in the last few years, and people have actually been quite burned by them, as we were mentioning in an earlier episode. So the consensus seems to be to stick with growth, but we shall see. And uh, yeah, so that's what we have to look forward to. So the drama will continue. And uh, speaking of drama, the tickets are still available for the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame. And that is coming up. It's in less than two weeks. It's on Thursday, January 9th at the Metro Toronto Convention Centre. And there is a reception and there is a dinner and there is business attire. So wear a black tie or a nice suit And if you want to get a ticket or you're interested in getting one for your company or for someone you know or donating to a student, just simply go to miningholloffame.ca slash annual dash ceremony. And that is for the 32nd annual dinner and induction ceremony of the Canadian Mining Hall of Fame. And the Northern Miner is a proud founding member of that organization. So you can find us online at northernminer.com. You can find us on Twitter at Northern Miner. You can find us on Instagram at The Northern Miner and on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And turning to the website, we have the most clicked stories 
of 2019. Trish Saywell, our acting editor-in-chief, has put this together. And so I'm just going to quickly go through what the top stories on the Northern Miner were according to our viewership and according to the, how many people went to each story. And it's always, you know, it's never what you'd think. Uh, but who knows? I mean, so here we go. Number one was an interview by Anthony Maluski, and he is the Cobalt 27 Capital Chairman, and he interviewed the London Metal Exchange's Product Development Department to discuss the LME's Electric Vehicle Battery Materials Initiative and the launch of its new Cobalt contract. So I guess there is interest in Cobalt, is what that tells me, and so... That was the number one viewed story on the Northern Miner interview, the LME's new Cobalt contract. And yeah, each one of these has a link to it, so you can go to each story. Number two was Andre St. Germain, Jose Vizcarra, named Young Mining Professionals of the Year. So congratulations to them. So I guess they got a lot of play out of that award. And it looks like the Young Mining Professionals are doing quite well. And that award was presented in association with the Northern Miner. And that award is to, quote, recognize two Young Mining Professionals, a male and a female, who over the past year and during the course of their careers have demonstrated exceptional leadership skills and innovative thinking to provide value for their companies and shareholders as well as for themselves. And it also says here that nominees were under 40 years of age in 2018 and active in some aspect of the mining industry anywhere in the world. And voting on a selection of nominees was held in January by a committee representing YMP branches and the Northern Miner. So moving on to number three, Tega Gold, SSR Mining, report visible gold at Fisher. So yeah, it looks like just a typical mining story. Looks like that got a lot of play. So that's Tiger Gold and moving on. Number four, AMUE Roundup, Rio Tinto on the lookout for BCC porphyry deposits. That also got a lot of play. I guess Rio Tinto is a pretty huge company. So if they are looking for stuff in BC, I guess that gets a lot of attention. Number five, Monarch Gold targets multiple projects. That is by Trish Saywell. That came out on March 18th, 2019. Yeah, I guess people are following Monarch Gold quite closely. It says that Rob McEwen is also an investor and holds 5% in the junior. So yeah, Monarch Gold. And they're based mostly in Quebec. Uh, number six is Sol Gold's Nick Mather, who is the Mining Person of the Year for 2018. So that was announced on February 27th, 2019 by John Cumming. And yeah, so Nicholas Mather, President and CEO of Australian Junior Saul Gold, is the Northern Miners Person of the Year for 2018. In recognition of his role as the driving force behind the wildly successful grassroots team that has drilled off the world-class Alpala Gold Copper Deposit at its Cascabel Project in Babura Province in northern Ecuador, with potentially many more discoveries to come in the region. Yeah, so Ecuador. <laughs> Always love to go back to Ecuador. I always have a special eye for Ecuador. So that is number six, is the person of the year, mining person of the year. Number seven, commentary, innovation is needed in processing of battery raw materials. And this came out in July. And this is a contribution by David Anonichuk, Jane Spooner, and Reiner House. And yeah, more battery materials. Remember, cobalt was at the top of this list. And 
now battery raw materials processing and innovation is right here at number seven. So isn't that interesting? So there is definitely a focus on battery metals this year. Number eight, American Pacific grows Tuscarora property near Elko, Nevada. I actually went on a site visit, I think back in 20, gosh, 2013, to what used to be, uh, the, the guys who are with American Pacific right now used to be with a small junior called Western Pacific. And uh, yeah, I visited the, their project way back when. Geologist Eric Sanderholm, who I remember well, and venture capitalist Warwick Smith, who's a very nice individual. They are still at it, so good for them. And they're getting attention, as you can see, at number eight. And at number nine, we have a commentary celebrating a century of mining at Yukon. And that is by Ann Turner and Lindsay Wilson, who uh, another contribution. And you have a very nice photo there. And yeah, so we see 100 years of mining in the Yukon. And finally, very tragic story, the tailing spill at Feiyao is Valet's worst yet, with 84 dead and 276 missing. That was written by John Cumming on January 30th, 2019. It was an editorial. And yeah, that was a very devastating, tragic event. And yeah, that was the number 10 most popular story on the Northern Miner. So take a look. You can click on all the links there. Yeah, so it's always always interesting to see what people really care about on our website. And if we turn to our next story, we have a big snapshot. And this is by Magda Gardner, who is a newer writer. She works for both the Northern Miner and the Canadian Mining Journal. She contributes regularly, and she has quite a big piece here on eight different projects that are going on in the BC, Yukon, and the Northwest Territories. And she covers American Creek resources, uh, Jerry Baldy resources. And you're going to see a spectacular picture when you open that article of these three guys on a mountain. It's a spectacular image. We've headlined it before. I mean, headline, I almost headlined it again, but I thought, I'll oh, give it a little more time before we do that again. GT Gold is included. And there is metallic minerals. And what else? We have Nighthawk Gold is covered. And Seabridge Gold and their massive KSM deposit, which is in BC's Golden Triangle. Skeena Resources and their SK Creek property. And their Stratabound minerals. Lots of really nice pictures here. That is all covered in our current snapshot, which is our current headline. Snapshot, projects to watch in BC, Yukon, and Northwest Territories. In a very sort of season's greetings kind of picture there, we have a Skeena Resources drill rig at their SK Creek Gold Project, surrounded by all these pines and mountains. It was a pleasure to put that picture up. I thought it just perfectly just said season's greetings from the Northern Miner when you load up that page. So that is also on the website. And also we have this great story by David Perry, White Gold Keeps on Discovering. That was published on December 27th, and he's talking about Sean Ryan's White Gold Company, and they're in the Yukon, and they are a really interesting organization. I'm just going to read a little bit about that. Sean Ryan's White Gold has data from more than 400,000 Yukon soil samples, but one collected in the 2019 field season stood out by an order of magnitude. It actually kicked at over 100,000 parts per billion gold. Ryan said that's right off the Richter scale for the ICP machines. We said the machine's broken. So they tried it again and again and again. Then we decided to fire assay it to see how far it goes past 100,000, which is 100 grams gold per ton. 
when they flashed it through the fire assay, it was 113 grams. So they're finding some very impressive grades through soil sampling. Now, that's kind of what I find interesting about this story is how it looks like they're really trying to save money by using multiple ways of looking at the deposit or potential deposit. I'm going to read a little bit more of this later in the article. Unlike many juniors, white gold will not, quote, throw money around like a machine gun, quote, and rush into expensive diamond drilling campaigns before properly understanding a target, Sean Ryan says. The company relies on innovative and economical techniques such as soil sampling and RAB drilling to identify and flush out targets. And this is a quote from Sean Ryan. This is the only game where the norm is to fail. The only way to de-risk a project from failure is to do it right. Exploration is not about geology or geophysics or geochemistry or structure. It's about all four of those working together. You throw the sciences at it, he says. It's like trying to drop the black ball in a pool game. You have to set your shots up. Very interesting, I think. I think this actually, what this guy, what Sean Ryan is doing is, is kind of a nice contrast, actually, to what we're going to hear in our feature presentation, which is that people are doing the same old thing. Uh, not at white gold. Continuing here, white gold will only use a diamond drill once it's confident it knows where to point it. Quote, I don't want anybody wasting money on our ground. Continues, Ryan says this method is based on what the major mining companies did in their exploration departments when he started in the industry in the late 1970s. And he says discoveries like the Vertigo prove it works. And we have a quote about Vertigo from Sean Ryan. Vertigo was found under everybody's noses. There are roads going through there everywhere. They've been mining that creek for almost 120 years for placer gold. And here we're finding these new high-grade shoots right off the road. We found four new ones right on the road within 50 meters. And it continues. So very interesting. With, I, I love the creativity, really, that they're bringing to their project and to their business. And here we have Guy Gosselin, Agnico Eagles, Senior Vice President of Exploration, saying he is pleased with White Gold's accomplishments and its, quote, exploration recipe. And here's a quote from Gosselin. They have designed and adapted their method to be extremely efficient in the part of the world they are working in. They cover a lot of ground and generate new targets at a very reasonable cost. Ryan says the White Gold District has the potential to become a major gold mining camp. Yeah, and it goes on. And there's a lot more very, very interesting stuff in this article. So you can find it on northernminer.com. That's by David Perry. And he is our content supervisor and also a great writer. And finally, you might remember Nevada Copper from our sponsored interview that we did the last four episodes. And there's actually a news item from Nevada Copper. They have shipped their first copper concentrate from Pumpkin Hollow in Nevada and the first copper concentrate has been shipped from Nevada Copper's Pumpkin Hollow project in Nevada to the company's offtake partner, Concord Resources. And production at the Pumpkin Hollow processing plant started on December 16th. And the company expects the underground mining operation will ramp up to full commercial production in the first half of 2020. And Pumpkin Hollow is the first new copper production in the U.S. in over a decade. 
A construction decision on the underground mine was made just 16 months ago, and it continues. So, yeah, so there's Nevada Copper, so they're back, but this time it's a news story, so good for them. And with that, let's turn to metal prices. metal prices for the final time this year and if you ever want to find these just put in InfoMine and metal prices into Google and this will be the first page that shows up and on December 31st gold has broken through $1,500 to $1,522.61 that is approximately $31 higher than last week and silver is at $18.06 per ounce, which is 46 cents higher than last week's quote. And platinum is at $969.48, which is $30 higher. Palladium is at $1,926.28, and that is about $45 higher than last week's $1,881, but still below the quote from two weeks ago that we had at $1,992. So let's see what happens with palladium. It took a breather. Now it's climbing back up. Will it break its previous high is the next question, I think. And uh, taking a look at our industrial metals, uh, quote, on December 27th, copper is at $2.82 per pound. That is three cents higher. Aluminum is at 81 cents Per pound, and that is one cent higher than last week. Lead is unchanged at 87 cents. Nickel is at $6.35 per pound, which is 10 cents lower than last week. Tin is at $7.76, which is seven cents lower than last week. Cobalt is unchanged at $14.74 per pound. Zinc is two cents lower at $1.04. And those are your metal prices. And coming up, we have Nathan Stabina, Shared International VP of Technologies and Operation. And he delivers his presentation titled, Some Inconvenient Facts, Some Inconvenient Perceptions, Staying Still is Moving Backwards. And this was recorded at the 2019 Progressive Mind Forum in Toronto at the Mars Discovery District. And so... With that, we will see you on the other side. I'd like to introduce our next speaker, Nathan Stabina. We were honored to have him speak at our very first Progressive Mind Forum. Back then, you were with uh, McEwen Gold. So here you are in your iteration with Sherrod International. Dr. Stabina joined Sherrod as VP of Technologies in November of 2018. As mentioned, prior to that, he was Managing Director of Innovation for McEwen Mining. He has 30 years of international industrial experience. He's also worked at various major mining companies, including Barrick, Naranda, and Falconbridge. Nathan, please. There was an article uh, on LinkedIn, it's a woman, Vanessa Versha, and she kind of summarized the way I look at the industry. You know, they, we, us think that just talking about the problem is enough. And you certainly see that just in the couple of months in Toronto, there's a smart mining, there's mining IT, progressive mining, 
mining innovation and other mining oxymorons like those. They think that technology alone will be the solution, and I'll give a few examples of that. But the third one is, to me, the most important one. What's the right mindset? Do we have the right mindset? And we heard a little bit about the people side today. Claudia mentioned it and a couple of other people, but we don't really focus on that one. And what does that mean to me? So the question to you is, do you really have the culture in your organizations to move the industry forward? So you know, what's culture? Culture is the way we do things when nobody's around to see what we're actually doing. So that's my question to you. Do you have one person like me that goes around and talks about innovation? Or if you go down to your mine site and you have a 60-year-old mine manager who hasn't had an original thought in 60 years, is that the culture? And who are the people following? Someone in Toronto or someone at the mine site? I like this quote, a company can only be as innovative as the collective capacity of the people who make up this ecosystem. Sometimes I get the audience to vote, and this is not an exhaustive list. These are just things I've put up. So, you know, which of these do you think will move the mining industry forward? So, you know, rising number of mining companies are embracing blockchain, digitalization of the mining, genomics and mining. Maybe Leslie will talk about that one. Uh, microbes and mining, uh, machine learning and AI. CIM had a whole issue on digital twins. Drones, the way they're changing the mining industry. So, you know, if, if everyone here was all negative about mining, I could spend an hour or two hours talking about all the great things I've seen in mining, because I, I have examples of every one of these things. I had an inconvenient truth, but innovation is more of a perception. So it's more like an innovation or, a, you know, what are your perceptions of the industry? How wearables, what will they mean for mining? Uh, nanotechnology. So, so like I said, for all 13 of these, I'll find something. The Global Mining Standards Group, a unified vision of the future of mining is emerging. And, you know, here's, here's projects. Every one of these I've been involved with. You know, flotation using solid bowling ball size instead of water and bubbles. Uh, sensors on shovels. Sensors on, on uh, you know, conveyor belts. Drones, of course. Uh, new flotation machine, machines, hyperspectral uh, core sampling, uh, handheld lib analyzers. So you just go into the field, you get 30 elements at once instead of sending an assay wait and wait for three months. So these, these things exist. George had a Kudafani quote, here's the one I like. Mining is not a good investment. We're 30 years behind. The rest of the world has moved on. So the part in gold there, to be brutally frank, our industry lags the petroleum, manufacturing, and aviation sectors, and other more progressive and innovative heavy industries. And there's one from a CMIC paper from like five years ago, and it's exactly where we are today. Rather than trying to solve the problems in the traditional manner, it is time to take a fresh approach and look outside the industry. So, you know, we all know this, but, you know, have we really made great progress in the last five, ten years? I think, again, it was Kovir said, uh, the least worst. So this is from uh, George Salamis. And, you know, at least mining is not the worst. Agriculture is the worst. So I show this slide, and then people in agriculture send me videos and slides, and they say, no, no, we've got weed-picking robots. We've got drones that go over the field. Uh, Raziel mentioned something like that. You know, we have moisture sensors, which you can use in leach pads, by the way, to tell you when the field should be irrigated and, and when it shouldn't. So, you know, who's using this in their leach pads? So they're trying to say, well, no, mining is worse than agriculture, but the point is we're kind of low on this scale. If you sell IT, you would be drooling at this slide here. You know, you're saying whatever we have to sell to the mining industry, they need. We talked about millennials. This is the millennials falling off the cliff. 
So when I started, it was, I started in 87. My first job was at the Falcon Ridge Tech Center. 12%, and this has dropped off to 4% now. I don't know what's the cause, what's the effect. Is it not a sexy industry and we're not attracting the millennials? Or is it the technology that they're not interested in? And at the same time, we tell them, I go to universities and I say, we need creative people. We need people who are digital literate, like my son, he's, he's 21. Data analytics, strong history in gaming, robotics, sensors, everything we've talked about and we'll be talking about, we tell them we need you, but they're shunning this industry. Honestly, I also go to high schools, to, to elementary schools, and this is the perception. I'm not sure you know, how much Kool-Aid the people here have been drinking today, but this is the perception. And there's, there's actually a new one, a new show called Gold Rush. So, you know, there's a bunch of yahoos up in Alaska dredging through water, rivers, you know. So either they get that impression or they think we're actually on mules and pickaxes. Barrick Gold didn't make six million ounces of gold on a mule and a pickaxe, but, you know, or, or this uh, nostalgic, uh, you know, panning for gold type of thing. And then you have, I don't know, you don't see a lot of people demonstrating in downtown Vancouver and, you know, and, and, who want mining. You know, it's like, without gold, I can live. Without water, I'll die. No to mining. You know, so this, this is what people are saying. You know, imagine if Apple, every time you turned it on, said, all the metal didn't come from mining or mining stinks or something like that. So Apple, no mining. They don't know when and they don't know how and they don't know if. But, you know, that, that's the vision. No more mining. This is true. If you Google the 20 worst jobs in the world, you'll get something like this. You know? So you can tell your grandmother, I'm going to be a miner. And she says, no, can't you be a portaloo toilet cleaner instead? You know, we picked enough on Valley, so you know, it's, it's similar here. Uh, you know, hundreds of people dead and so forth. So we won't, we won't go on that. But you know, you're building tailings dams. I have a list. I, I think I read it, maybe even in Northern Mining, 18,000 uh, tailings dams around the world. I have a list of 60 that have given way in the last 30 years. So every six months for the next 18,000 tailings dams, you're going to be seeing stuff like this. Ten years ago, you know, it would have been hidden somewhere. Now within five minutes, it's on YouTube and Facebook and everybody will see something like that. This is the phone. Somebody said driving their phone. I moved to Toronto about 10 years ago and this was the phone I had. So. Technology is exploding on this exponential, super exponential way, and yet organizations tend to think about linearly or logarithmic. So eventually this gap gets big enough and something happens. And I'm waiting for that something in mining to happen. And like I said, there's all kind of things we could grasp onto, too, but this is what I'm waiting for. I started in 87. It took about three years, five years to get something into production. Now we're measuring things in the three decades. So by the time you discover something, and the time you put into production, maybe it'll, you'll get it done in 30 years. I don't know about you, that's not a great investment. My son's investing in Litecoin, he can't afford Bitcoin. But when I show him something like that, he'll take his chances on Litecoin. And you know, we're, you know exploration, 10, 20 years, study years. So you're, you're in the decades now, you know, we gotta do better. And it's not a question of using you know, AI and gold spotter and hyperspectral to find the stuff. If I flew a plane over New Caledonia or Cuba and I threw a shovel out that plane, I would hit nickel. That's not the problem. Gold's different. The, the game is trying to find it. But you know, we got to do better on the permitting, the, the decision making, the financing, and so forth. So yeah, exploration is part of it, but not the whole story. I know you all know this, but, but I tend to be more visual than, than most. So you know, 
this is the grades are declining, and this is gold. And you know, we were in the 50, 10, 5. Somebody mentioned uh, 0.7. You know, that, that's where we are now. And we're not on that flat part on the curve anymore. We're on this asymptotic part. So the amount of energy, the amount of water, the amount of earth moving is going up. Eventually, you're getting to the point where what made sense on the flat part of the curve is not making sense on the top part of the curve. You know, staying still is, is moving backwards. So, you know, what made sense in 1950, you're now approaching that zero. You better do something different or you're going to be moving like zero meters per day. I calculated these odds. I thought this was interesting. So, you know, about 1,000 to 1. The odds of betting a million dollars on double green, and then if you won, betting it again on double green, those are better than these exploration results. And then you've got to wait 30 years. Guy Dayarnet had the same thing, you know, 3,000 projects, three projects making it to the end of the pipeline, so, you know, 1,000 to 1. You know, whatever numbers you like, you know, you're in that range. So my questions to you, are we working on the right things, and are we asking the right questions? There's New York City 100 years ago, and then, you know, we got too many, too many horses. You can see the calculation up there, and then, you know, we ended up with where we are now. So some people here think we're at the bottom, and let's play, play along with me. Let's say we're in the top corner, and someone comes to you and says, I have a sensor, and I can tell how happy the horse is. I can tell when the horse is hungry, and I'll say, okay, I need one of those. Someone else uh, has a, a Paytech puck. You know, they can track all my horses. Someone else could have a drone. Someone else could have robots picking up horse poop. You know, we, we can optimize this as much as we want. But let's say we're there, and the rest of the world has moved on. If you're in finance, you hate this quote. We talked about Harvard before, so I added this Harvard quote. Professor Clayton Christensen, he has some great YouTube videos. He believes that the pursuit of profit, as calculated by any ratio, IRR, uh, cost-benefit, whatever, is killing innovation. This type of fundamental thinking is wrong. Now, what, what does he actually mean by that? It's because when most people look at it, they're looking at the difference between A, the project you're want to implement and the baseline. But what we should be looking at is that C. If we do nothing, we fall further and further behind. So we should be looking at the difference from A to C. But when you do all these calculations, people only assume A to the baseline, and a lot of projects just don't get funded. If you're in the back of the room, you can't read this, but you can guess where I'm going. Which one do you think is the mining innovation dollar spent? And in fact, over the years, it's gotten lower and lower. And one of my previous bosses, who you mentioned before, you know, he said something like, exploration is the R&D of the industry. No, it's, it's actually not. Exploration is sort of sustaining. It's good to find more gold. But you really do have to put some money into new products, like Paytech or what Shelby was showing before. You know, and if the industry is, isn't, luckily other people are. But you, know, you could see we're you know, quite low on the innovation uh, scale here. So we're quite good at this continuous improvement and making changes. But you know, eventually, you get to the point. Actually, there's the Apple. Somebody mentioned Apple before. You know, there's the first Apple one. It had no keyboard, no screen. You know, if you were lucky, it played tic-tac-toe. And everybody, IBM laughed at this thing here. Like, well, who would want this? I like this one here because, like I said, I'm visual. So this is how much earth you have to move to make a one-ounce gold loony-sized piece. Now, one gram per ton. It was actually 0.8. Strip ratio of uh, 5 to 1, it was actually 8 to 1. And after all that, 
you recovered 65% of the gold. So one third of all the gold that you ever found, crushed, moved, leached, is still sitting there somewhere. So this makes no sense to me, and I'm sure it makes no sense to anyone outside of this room, but it makes probably perfect sense to almost everyone inside this room. So I gotta move six million grams of earth to make one gram of gold, and I'm recovering like two thirds of that. Just makes no sense to me. By the way, gold is the most useless of all the, the metals. I now work for a nickel company, and I'm glad you had this panel. So nickel cobalt is the future. Gold is pretty, pretty useless. But I, I also worked for Rob McEwen, so, so I know his opinion about that. Okay, here's one of my inconvenient perceptions. I'll call it an inconvenience truth. There's a truck. The weight of the truck is about the same as the weight of the ore that it's moving. A diesel engine's about like a third efficient. You have to have a slope design of about 6%. So that's why a truck will go around and around and around the pit for hours, and then has to go around and around the pit, empty, burning fuel, to get back to the bottom of the pit. I'm not sure that my daughter works for Dyson, so if I went to James Dyson and I said, hey, this is what mining's doing, I'm sure he'll say, like, no, you're, you're joking. Who, who would design this? I found this interesting. You know, if you take trucks and you put an AI module on it, it optimizes the path and all the trucks follow each other. So if you have 20 trucks following exactly the same path for days and days, you get big ruts in the road and then the axles break. But the people who designed that hadn't really thought of that. But if AI was so smart, it probably should have figured that out on its own. So now they have to add a little error where, you know, like a, a human driver doesn't follow the same path, so you don't get this problem. So they put in a little error, so it kind of shifts itself a little bit. I thought I was the only one who thought this way, and then, then I saw this, uh, there, was, there was something on LinkedIn. So we're trying to attract the millennials. We want the millennials. They're shunning the industry, and then, you know, BHP and all of their ads have big trucks. You know, and, and this ad said, you know, uh, mining is marketed as dirty and dull. You think of BHP and its ads, and they're all about trucks and high-vis gears. So mining is all of that. You know, there, there's something. Like I, I showed this one before. You know, people who like trucks are five-year-old kids, mining engineers. That's about it. <laughs> I like this quote. In Sweden, if you ask a union leader, are you afraid of new technology, they'll say, no, I'm afraid of old technology. And I kind of think of a truck as, as old technology. So please stop asking about trucks. There's Torex's Makahai. There's Railveyor that was developed by Inco, but now Agnico's taking it. Injection hoisting by Cementation, who I see was a sponsor. Pipelines, conveyor, new trans, ropeways, hovercraft, airships, dogs with GoPros. I don't care, but look at something. The point of the bottom one is like, if you had only seen a bird fly, you would think that's the only way to fly. And the first people tried to mimic a pigeon. And you know, we've kind of moved on to that. So where are we? I'm on the Lassonde Advisory Board, and, and they say, oh, we, we ask them, the fourth year students, every year come up with this great innovative uh, design. And every year they come up with the exact same thing, a truck and a ball mill and a flotation cell. And they say, we don't understand why. It's, well, if you have 60-year-old professors teaching 40-year-old technology for four years, and then they come up with something that looks like a bird trying to fly, you know, maybe, maybe open it up a little bit and you know, tell them we really do want to be innovative. So you know, where are we? You know, he, he said, have a vision of the future. So I don't know what your visions of the future is. Mine's a dog with GoPro, but maybe you have some other one. So 
where are we? You know, truck enhancement. Yes, we could put a sensor on the tires and get 1% better tire wear. Yes, we could stick an electric battery instead of a diesel engine. Yeah, that's fine. We're on the, you know, the short end here. Truck enhancements, follow the trucks with GPS. But if you look around it, you know, we're going to laparoscopic mining. Just go for that one gram of gold and leave the other 5,999,999,000 behind instead of moving all that earth. So people are looking at it, you know, in situ leaching, in situ recovery. You don't need to ventilate, you don't need to dewater, you don't need to haul, you don't need to hoist, you don't need to crush, you don't need to grind. Just go for the gold. I mean, they use it in uranium and they can use it in copper and people have tested it in gold. I have no idea about other metals, but you know, maybe start looking at it. Others peoples of the, the future is do pre-concentration underground. Just move you know, the concentrate up, leave all that waste behind. And you know, there are companies, Gecko, the Python system, that are looking at these, but you know, there's more than one way to get your gold out or whatever metal you want. This shows where we've moved, the pendulum, where it's moved in the, uh, the, the time I've been in, in the industry. Someone once told me, don't say you've been in the industry 30 years, because that just makes you sound old. Stop at 20, you know, 20 plus. Nathan has 20 plus years, and then that's, that's a good number. Anyway, so I, I started in 87, and every major company, I started at the Falker Bridge Tech Center, Naranda had a tech center, Placer Dome had one, which was bought by Barrick, and now was just shut down, because someone decided they'd rather have the tens of millions of dollars of land in downtown Vancouver than the billion of NPV that the gen it generated by you know, developing Pueblo Viejo, Alcan Research Center, all these are shut down. So we were forced to go from in-house to all the way to the crowdsourcing and consortia and so forth. And you know, there's all kinds of examples in between, not necessarily mining. Nobody wants to be that, that first penguin you know, jumping off the cliff because there could be a, a whale underneath who, know, who knows what's in the water. Everybody wants to be the, the, the second, third, fourth penguins. And I hear this all the time, like everybody wants to be first to be second. So, you know, take the risk, be that first penguin. Maybe it's, there's no whale there. So I'll leave you with this, one of my favorite quotes. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Thank you. And I would like to thank you once again for joining me on the Northern Miner Podcast on this special New Year's Eve edition. Hope you enjoyed Nathan Stabina's presentation. I thought it was a little unconventional, and that's a good thing and maybe perfect for us to think about as a new year begins. So if you want to help us out, feel free to send this podcast to your friends and leave us a review in the Apple Podcast directory. And until next week, have a happy and safe new year from all of us at the Northern Miner, and we'll see you then.